The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Well, here we go again. Welcome. Glad you're with us. WTMJ Nights here till 8 o'clock tonight. Big show. Want you to get involved. 855-616-1620. That is, of course, the old National Bank Talk text line. If you avail yourself of that number to call in, you'll be talking to Matt. He's the executive producer of the big broadcast tonight. Be nice to him. You get to me. And if you want to text, that's terrific, too. Let's start with our text question of the night. What did you do to beat the heat today? The heat index is high. We're in that uh, the awful humidity, the high temperatures. What did you do to make yourself feel a little more comfortable? 855-616-1620. Once again, that is, as always, the old National Bank Talk and Text Line. All right, big news breaking right before the show. If you haven't heard, the uh, former president of these United States has been issued a superseding indictment which means they uh, that Jack Smith the special prosecutor has added counts onto the original indictment about the classified documents that were found in the raid at Mar-a-Lago now this has nothing to do with the letter that the former president got a couple weeks ago saying that he was a target that's for a whole different possible indictment that's uh in in uh, reference to the January 6th riot, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. It was not a protest. It was a riot. It was a uh, an attempted coup. But anyway, that's not, that has nothing to do with today's news. Today's news is that three new charges have been added to the previous indictment involving those classified documents that were found at Mar-a-Lago. One additional count of willful retention of national defense information, which is supposedly this uh, Iran attack plan, and then two additional obstruction counts. So those are related to alleged attempts to delete surveillance video footage at the Mar-a-Lago resort in the summer of 2022. They also added another defendant to this, uh, a maintenance worker, Carlos de Olivia. Oliviera. He's a 56-year-old maintenance worker. Uh, he is charged with helping move the documents and um, take them from where they were and try to hide them. So that is what's going on. It was a uh, big news, of course. The WTMJ Newsroom will be following this and keeping you updated. And for all the latest, stay right here. And then, of course, Vince and Eric will have everything going on Wisconsin's morning news. But that's what we know so far. There are also reports that the former president, part of the part of the obstruction is that he requested an employee at his Mar-a-Lago resort, which who is being referred to in these new charges as um, uh, Trump employee four. That's what they're that's what they're calling him. We don't know who Trump and uh, we don't know who Trump employee four is, but. Uh, he was uh, he was told to do that, and uh, he was told that the boss quote the boss wanted the server deleted. So that's what is in, alleged in the indictments. Again, more details will be coming out. Haven't had time to read the entire superseding indictment since it just happened right before the show. But um, again, 
that will all all the details will be coming out throughout the night. Wyatt will have them on the news, and then of course uh, Vince and Eric will have them tomorrow morning. Matt, it never say it's always something, always something. But we're gonna have a good time tonight. Uh, we are going to go to the breweries because at the breweries is back. Third Space Brewing is going to join us after six thirty to talk about a big event, and then we're going to talk about meeting the parents. Yes, that is uh, something that has been happening around us. Matt, did you keep cool today? I kept cool by staying inside, uh, staying downstairs in the basement, try to avoid the heat rising, and then uh, had a little adventure on my way to work. My oil light went on. Oh, no. Not good. So Never I call- good when a light comes on. No, no. Even though sometimes they might just be suggestions, but didn't want to take <laughs> any chances today. So I called up the dealership, got lucky. They had an opening about 15 minutes from the time this happened. Uh, so I took it in, got a nice oil change, and uh, la-di-da, here we are. Very good. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I never oil changes. I don't mess with. I'm. I'm not a big preventative maintenance guy. I don't like to do things that aren't really necessary, except for oil changes. That is the one thing that I am always, uh, always pretty good on is getting that oil changed every. I know they say now it can go a little more. I still go the three thousand miles and get it in there and get that taken care of. Well, good. I didn't want. I don't want you breaking down, being stranded on the side of the road in this heat. And just be uh, just be laying on the side, just crying because you'll be melting. It's horrible, horrible. This hum- I, Midwest humidity is uh, just the worst. But we're all dealing with it, and it's supposed to cool off. So what are you going to do? We're going to complain. We're not Phoenix. Um, where I saw today a story about a meteorologist out in Phoenix who thought he was going to be clever, and I guess he was. He raised a little money. He took a bunch of crayons and taped them to a poster board and they all melted. And then he took that and sold it and auctioned it off for charity as like a modern art heat wave masterpiece. And I think he got over 500 bucks for it. So, you know, there, there are things we can do to be creative even in this horrible, horrible heat. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to come back. We got to talk about not only Mitch McConnell, but Diane Feinstein and uh, what's been going on in Congress and in the Senate, especially uh, the last couple days, and whether we should really start looking hard at term limits, and who do you really want making decisions to affect the future of this country? We'll get to all of that and so much more. It's WTMJ Nights. Now more of WTMJ Nights. WTMJ Knights, 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talking text line. Text question of the night, what did you do today to beat the heat? Well, Peter uh, was in the right place. He didn't have to worry about the heat. He says right near the lake today, south of downtown, it's been comfy cool with intermittent light fog, temperature mostly in the lower 70s. You are very fortunate, Peter. Jeff says, I beat the heat uh, wearing light colors and limiting outdoor activities, nothing too fancy or creative. Thankfully, my place of employment is well air-conditioned. Yeah, even the uh, even the dogs today didn't want to be out too long. They were uh, they didn't want to overstay their welcome in the heat. Unlike some of our elected officials, boy, how, how'd you like that ham-handed segue? Uh, if you've been following the news, you may have seen or heard, and if you haven't, we'll let you hear this. Mitch McConnell had a little issue yesterday while he was giving his press conference, and um, I saw this and listen. 
when you get to a certain age, your health is going to be deteriorate. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in that. The problem comes when you, not just Mitch McConnell, and we'll get to this, um, as somebody who is in their mid eighties or 80 to 90, uh, you're making decisions for a country that you're not going to be part of for very long. And that's why I've been, I've been saying this for a long time. We need to have term limits on all our elected officials. It's not, it's not right to have people who are, and when I say all elected officials, that's all of them. You know, because I know, I know I'm going to hear from people go, well, what about the president? Yes, president too. Here's my idea. You can only run for office if you're between 35 and 74 years old. And I'm, I'm willing to cut that back just a little bit at the top end because I think once you hit 80, you should not be able to be in office. You know, there's, there, that's nothing that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that I don't like older people. I'm a fan of octogenarians. Someday I may get to be an octogenarian. Uh, I may be somebody who gets into my 90s. I doubt it, but I don't know. I have no problem with that. My problem is, as a country, we complain about things not changing, and yet we keep, we keep reelecting these people who have been around forever. You know, the, times have changed, and it's... Yes. Oh, I know. Everybody wants to hold on to their power and everybody wants to make sure that they can keep, uh, keep that gravy train rolling. But I don't think it's right. I think we, and, and again, I can bring it down, but we already have a law where you can't be, you can't be president until you're 35. Okay. That's fine. President has two terms. That's great. If you decide you don't want to run for president until you're 74, well, guess what? You can't run for a second term because that's going to put you over 80. If you're going to run for president, you better run for president sometime in by the time you get to be 60. But I think we ought to start looking at some people to be president, maybe who are, I don't know, let's say 50, somewhere in their 50s. If you are a senator or a congressperson, that's great. We're going to put some term limits on you too. You know what? Uh, I don't want to hear that you're not going to do uh, you're not going to do the same work because you're going to you know you're only going to be there for six or twelve years. I can't really. Oh, I, what am I going to do if I'm if I know I'm a lame duck in my thing? You know, do your job. Do what you're elected to do. I don't want to hear the, those excuses. You know, I don't. Listen, I'm getting to the point, uh, I know Matt is here thinking, I don't want this old guy deciding what we're going to talk about on the show. It's, you know, it's not ageism, it's just fact. Too, too bad, Matt, you don't really get a vote. But, uh, no, I'm kidding. But, you know, so this is what Mitch, this is what Mitch McConnell sounded like yesterday at his press conference. The NDA, uh, this week has been good bipartisan cooperation. And a string of uh Anything else you want to say? I'm sure it's go back to you. Do you want to say anything else to the press? I'll take it back. Let's go back to you. Go ahead, John. 
uh, GOP Senator uh, John Barrasso of Wyoming. It is, I, I, I'm not going to, you know, be easy to poke fun. I don't want to poke fun. Uh, obviously, something happened to Mitch McConnell yesterday. Uh, he says to, he came back later and said he was fine, and, but he obviously wasn't fine. If you've seen the video, he looked like a guy who was in either fighting not to pass out or had, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, but something was not right. If you or I were standing at a podium and all of a sudden we just kind of glazed over, couldn't answer anybody, people were trying to guide him away, it was scary. If that was, if that was a relative of yours, you would be very frightened and you would immediately take them to the emergency room. Um, then today, Diane Feinstein, who you rem- is 90, she's the oldest person serving in uh, Congress, Senator from California. And she was gone because she got shingles in the spring. And she was gone for a while. And then she came back and she didn't really didn't really remember being gone. Well, today she had to be corrected and told to vote during a Senate Appropriations Committee hearing. Um, she's a Democrat, so we're talking about we're talking about um, you know. Both sides of the aisle. There, nobody gets away from this. Nobody. So Feinstein was at this thing, ready to vote, and she all she had to do was say yay or nay when her name was called. They called her name. She didn't answer. Uh, Democratic Senator Patty Murray of Washington tried to prompt her. Uh, Feinstein then started to read from prepared remarks. She was interrupted by an aide who whispered in her ear, um, the uh, Senator Murray again said, just say, yay. Okay, just, Feinstein replied, and this is uh, coming from CNN. Um, and then she finally said, she finally said, yay. So, you know, there's been a lot of talk about her not being, not being there. And listen, there's a difference between whether you're talking about your grandfather or your grandmother and them being a little bit out of sorts and not being all together with it, and you realize this is just the ravages of age, then a senator or two senators or a president or any elected official who has gotten to the point where their health and cognitive ability are slipping. And if you've had to deal with adult parents or anybody who has gotten to the point where things are starting to slip a little, you know they fight to hold on. And I get it. I get it. But the only way we can take care of this is to make sure there's an an age limit and a term limit. Because this job, being a representative in the government, was never designed. You know, I love I love these um, people who want to go back. They want to be constitutionally pure and and everything by the word. Well, if you go back, it's not in the Constitution, but the the jobs were never designed to be careers. No one was supposed to be a career politician. They were supposed to come in, get elected, come in, serve the, the session, and then go back to their regular jobs. You know, instead of all of a sudden being these wealthy people in ivory towers who don't really uh, have our, always have our best interest at heart, if they ever do, and who are completely out of touch. So that's why I say... 
35 to 74, that's when you can run for office. What do you say to that? 855-616-1620. It is WTMJ Nights. Back to WTMJ Nights. 855-616-1620. A couple people agreeing with the uh, the new age limits for people running for office. My my thoughts, 35 to 74. And uh, term limits. You get two terms, that's it. And if you can't get the work done in two terms, well, sorry, we need to get some fresh blood, which we need to do anyway. Uh, we need to start getting some younger people to run for office. Unfortunately, with uh, the money and everything else, it's rough. Then reports come out today that uh, Mitch Mc we know Mitch McConnell fell a while ago and was in the hospital, broke a couple ribs. Well, then a report came out today that he fell at the airport um, and uh, did a face plant, and nobody reported it. It didn't become didn't become a story. Um, so that that happened in. Um, when did they? When did they, July? So his flight was canceled. July fourteenth, he uh, was deplaning and he tripped, and it was described as a face plant. So that's not good. It's not good if you're thirty, let alone eighty-one, and you've already been hospitalized for a fall. So, uh, as much as I have distaste, which is a very kind term for Mitch McConnell's politics, I don't want anybody. You know, you get to that age. Just sit on your porch, drink some lemonade, and bask in the evil that you've created. Don't you don't have to you don't have to keep doing this. We're gonna switch it up big time after the news, and we are gonna talk one of my favorite subjects, beer, with the co-founders of Third Space Brewing because they have a big, big event coming up next week. But right now it is six thirty, and we have to go to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. That's where Jessica Gatso is ready to go. Should help me explain as a matter of Welcome to another edition of At the Breweries. Give me a keg of beer. Pull up a bar stool and get ready to join the keg conversation. A shark on whiskey is mighty risky. A shark on beer is a beer engineer. Your one stop shop for brews in the news is on tap. Beer! More beer! And more beer! Here's At The Breweries with Brian Noonan. Oh my goodness, it is always a good time to talk beer, especially if you're heading into the weekend, and I am very excited to welcome my guest to At The Breweries today on WTMJ Nights. It's Andy Gale and Kevin Wright from Third Space Brewing right here in Milwaukee. Andy is the co-founder and president, and Kevin is the co-founder and brewmaster. Gentlemen, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. We're happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right, Andy, I want to start with you. You opened Third Space in, um, it was 2016, correct? That's 2007 right. yep. 2017, you and Kevin put your heads together and you go, you know what we need? We need a little festival to celebrate IPAs, but not, not IPAs from all over the world, just IPAs from Wisconsin. How has the IPA market changed from... 2017 to 2023 because it seems to me IPAs have just exploded. Oh boy, have they. <laughs> it's funny because when we first put together IPA Fest back in 2017, we did it in part because Wisconsin wasn't necessarily known for IPAs and we wanted to celebrate the great IPAs made in the state. And now you, you know, you can't walk into a bar or a brewery without seeing you know, uh, 10 to 15 IPAs on tap. 
And like you said, the styles have just evolved quite a bit over time. It's, it's pretty crazy, pretty, pretty wild to watch. Well, I may have buried the lead, but let's get the lead back out here. Third Space is hosting the uh, the sixth annual Wisconsin IPA Fest. It's happening Saturday, August 5th at the brewery. Uh, you can get tickets right now if you go to uh, thirdspacebrewing.com. 50 bucks for general admission, $85 for VIP. You are going to. The list of brewers is unbelievable. But, Kevin, you know, Andy just mentioned you can walk into a bar and you see all these different IPAs. And, you know, you've got West Coast IPAs, East Coast IPAs, Milkshake IPAs, uh, Hazy IPAs. What is it about that style that one has proved so popular and why so many variations of it? I think what it comes down to is people really like hops, and, and hops are a really interesting flavor when you when you brew with them, and there's a lot of different things that you can do. And so all of those different styles showcase different features in the hops, whether it's the, the bitterness or the, the fruitiness or, uh, you know, some of the, the different aromas that you get. And, and people just have responded to, to hops in, in a way that they, they want more and they want different types of IPAs, and that's what, that's what brewers are trying to keep up with, just making new IPAs that, that showcase hops in different ways that people enjoy. It's been growing so much as a popular style. Do you, do you foresee any time where it's like, okay, people have had enough of the hoppiness? Because for a while it seemed like breweries were adding a lot of like extra hop. It's hoppier and hoppier and hoppier. Is there a danger that people are going to go, okay, we need to get away from this style and move to something else? Or is IPA something? I mean, the, the original IPA has been around for forever. Do you see it staying that way? Yeah, I, I think what's, what's going to keep happening is the style is going to keep evolving. You know, uh, 15 years ago, we didn't really have the hazy IPA, which is, is now one of the biggest styles of IPA. And that evolved, I think, out of people's uh, want to, to really experience the, the aroma and the flavor of the hops and not necessarily the bitterness. And so, uh, you know, that is a style that evolved to, to meet that. So I don't, I don't see IPAs going anywhere. I just think it will keep evolving in, in what the, the profiles of the IPAs are. Andy, how has the how has the um, Wisconsin IPA Fest changed from that first year to what people can expect if they show up on the fifth? Yeah, it's changed quite a bit. I mean, in the early days, we basically took one beer from each I, from each brewery that came, and now we have three to four to five beers from the breweries that come. So, you know, there are literally hundreds of beers people can sample here at Third Space uh, at IPA Fest. Most of them are IPAs. But these days we also let breweries bring, you know, their sours, their lagers, or what have you. So it's not just a beer festival for only IPA lovers. It's really a beer festival for everybody. So it's a chance to just show, you know, showcase the best beers in the state of Wisconsin. And it's pretty cool to have a Wisconsin-only festival. Yeah, that is that is very unusual to have, you know, just, hey, we're just doing Wisconsin. And obviously there is no shortage of brewers. How many breweries are coming to this year's fest? So this year we have 41 breweries, including ourselves. So we're inviting 40 guest brewers through, from throughout the state. You know, we've got breweries coming from, uh, you know, the North Woods. We've got breweries coming from the northwest part of the state, uh, from, from Madison area. And it's really fun because it gives uh, the people that come to the event a chance to try IPAs and other beers that they wouldn't otherwise get to try here in Milwaukee. Kevin, what was the first IPA that you brewed at Third Space? 
Our first IPA was uh, was Upward Spiral. That was one of the first four beers that we we brewed when we launched in in 2016. Okay, and now is that is that something that is that one that you still is that you're still part of the core, or do you have you moved on? And obviously, you've done more than that one, but uh, is that still one of the ones that you're you're brewing? Yeah, that one is still still on the menu. Um, out of those first four, we've got two that. That are still beers we brew, and one of them, one of them is Upward Spiral. So that one has been popular since day one, and, and continues to be. So we we keep brewing it. People people keep drinking it. When you started brewing IPAs in Milwaukee in 2017, you, you said it. What you know, it wasn't a style that was really popular coming coming out of Wisconsin. How was it received when you started? Uh, it's been received great since day one. I think what we saw um, when we opened was. That people were drinking a lot of these hoppy beers, but uh, they weren't all being made here. It was it was breweries from out of the area that were shipping IPAs in, and there there were some breweries making them, but it wasn't as as big as you see today. So we really, from day one, focused on hoppy beers, and and people really responded well. Uh, let me ask you this, Andy, because I got we got a text coming in. Uh, since we're talking about IPAs, and you handle a lot of the marketing and the sales and stuff. Uh, Peter wants to know what demographics mostly love IPAs. I'm in my 60s, and uh, I and most of my friends avoid them and much prefer dark stouts. Is it a younger adult who drinks IPAs? That's a great question. You know, I think given the wide range of different sort of sub-styles, if you will, within IPA, uh, means that it is, uh, you know, approachable to a much wider demographic than it maybe it used to be. Um, and I think that sometimes IPA gets a, a bit of a bad rap and that people that may have uh, been turned off by it originally because they thought IPA only meant that super bitter uh, style. Um, with the evolution of the, the style a little bit and these substyles, you're finding uh, IPAs that are more approachable. And those of you that love the, the super bitter kind of classic West Coast style can still find that. But if you like something that's a little bit more on the sort of fruit-forward, floral-forward side of a hazy IPA, you can find that. If you want a black IPA on the darker side, you can find that. I mean, there's the, the IPA style is, a, you know, just it has morphed so much that it's really a style for everybody. So I encourage people to get out and try it. And that's why we love IPA Fest, because there's just so many different, you know, IPAs here that you can try and, and see which ones are for you. Talking to Andy Gale and Kevin Wright, they are the co-founders of Third Space Brewing in Milwaukee, and the Wisconsin IPA Fest is coming August 5th, so a week from Saturday. Uh, you can go to thirdspacebrewing.com to get your tickets. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then I want, Kevin, i got to ask you about this uh, a benefit for the brewery who wins the contest every year and uh, some other questions. And if you have a question you want to text in like Peter did, 855-616-1620. We're talking a little bit of beer on WTMJ Nights. Welcome back to At the Breweries with Brian Noonan. Yes, we are talking beer on WTMJ Nights. Andy Gale and Kevin Wright are with me. They are the co-founders of Third Space Brewing. Uh, Andy is the president. Kevin is the brewmaster. And together, along with everybody else at Third Space, they are hosting the Wisconsin IPA Fest from 2 to 5 p.m. on Saturday, August 25th. If you go to thirdspacebrewing.com, you can get your tickets. Uh, you can get general admission tickets, or you can get VIP tickets if you are feeling fancy. Um, you were... 
I read something, Andy, I think it was in the Journal Sentinel or somewhere, where you said last year there were a lot of uh, sub-styles of IPAs, and we've talked about all the different ones. Um, what was what one sticks out, or does one stick out last year that one of these brewers tried either just for the fest or something that they hadn't released yet? Uh, that's a great question. I do remember there was an English IPA last year, which is something you don't really see much anymore. And I know at least all the brewers really loved it. So um, it didn't end up winning the, the competition, <laughs> but it was really great to see a wide range of styles. And, and it was a great beer. So, um, yeah, we just, we're always, it's always fun to see what the brewers bring out for us because I think they really try to bring out their best stuff. And I wanted to mention, Brian, I think you, August 5th is the date. I want to make sure everyone knows, um, which is next. Oh, Saturday. did I say the wrong date? I'm sorry. It is I August 5th. I know you said it right before, but I don't want to confuse anyone because uh, August 25th will be open, but uh, it won't be IPA. No, Saturday, I'm sorry, Saturday, August 5th, 2 to 5 p.m. And when you go to thirdspacebrewing.com, you will see that date on the ticket. I apologize. Kevin, I always think that uh, brewers are, are half-mad scientists anyway. I'll ask you the same question I asked Andy. Was there one, a sub, uh, like a sub-style that came in last year that you went, oh, that's unique and different and pretty good? Yeah, I, I think uh, we've had uh, a shift from when we started uh, to n now with a lot more of the hazy IPAs. Uh, and I think what, what people are doing with hazy IPAs is, is pretty interesting. For a while, uh, for hazy IPAs, everybody was trying to kind of mimic some of the original producers of it and make beers that tasted like that. And now people have kind of taken the hazy IPA uh, style into their own and making their own spins on it. And so... Uh, some of the hazy IPAs last year that were were really kind of different and interesting. Now, for the, for people who aren't really that well versed, uh, West Coast Upward Spiral you said was your first one, and that was a West Coast IPA. What's the what's the difference between that and a hazy IPA? And then what I've been seeing, people have been seeing a lot too, the milkshake IPAs. What what are the differences in those three styles? Yeah, it's a great question. The the West Coast IPAs. Are, are defined by uh, their, their clear, they have a very defined bitterness, and then their uh, aroma profile goes into kind of pine and citrus and a little bit of fruit. Hazy IPAs are, are hazy, obviously, and then they are less bitter. They're sweeter beers, and the aroma profile really skews more towards fruit, so like tropical fruit, um, like stone fruits, uh, and even berries. Uh, in the aroma profile. And then milkshake IPAs, um, that's usually adding uh, some kind of milk sugar to it, so like lactose, or sometimes people are using vanilla to create this kind of milkshake flavor. And then a lot of them also have another uh, actual fruit component. So they're not just the fruity aromas from the hops, but they're adding some kind of fruit to it. So some kind of like, you know, raspberry or, or peach or some kind of uh, other fruit to the IPA. As a brewer, is there one of those styles that's your favorite? Um, I I love West Coast IPAs. You know, my my original job in the brewing industry and my my brewing education was all in California, so I I fell in love with with that that really clean, bright, like snappy bitterness and 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 really nice aroma of the West Coast IPA. So that that always holds a, a special place in my heart for me. Very nice. All right, now we got to get to the winners because there's there's something very exciting that happens when somebody wins the 
Wisconsin IPA Fest because it's it's all about enjoying the beers, but there has to be a little competition in there too. Uh, last year, Beloit's G5 Brewing won the prize, and so they get to collaborate with you, Kevin, at Third Space, and you guys brewed something a couple days ago that is going to be available at the fest. Yeah, so every year the the winner from the previous year uh, gets to come up, and we brew we brew a beer that will go into the the VIP package. So if you are a VIP ticket buyer, you get a, a four pack of cans of this collaboration beer. Uh, but then if you're not a VIP ticket buyer, the beer will be on tap, so you get to taste it. Um, so it's it's kind of a fun thing to uh, you know give a little more uh, kind of kudos to the winner from the previous year and let them decide the the kind of beer that we're going to put into the vip package for this year can you give us a hint uh this year uh it is it is a hazy ipa and uh we are using some uh experimental hops in it so hops that are still in the development stages they haven't reached full commercial availability but the the hop growers are, are super excited about the aroma compounds um so our our the hop uh, provider we work with for the uh, VIP beer is is Hop Steiner, and they've been developing this this one variety for the last couple of years, and they're they're really excited about it. So we're featuring that in the, wow. the hazy pale ale for the for the the VIP beer. That sounds that sounds exciting. Hops that nobody else has had yet. So if yeah. you are yeah, if you like the hazies. Then uh, this you got to try this because nobody has had this before. Uh, the Wisconsin IPA Fest once again is Saturday, August fifth, from two to five p.m. at Third Space Brewing. You can go to thirdspacebrewing.com and get your tickets. Uh, another question, Kevin. This is just this is a personal question. What makes what's the difference between dry hopped and regular IPAs? Because they're I can taste a difference, and I like a dry hop a little bit more. What what sets those two apart? So so dry hopping is is adding hops to the beer uh, either during fermentation or after fermentation is done, but they're going into the fermenter versus uh, traditional hopping. The hops go into the kettle on the hot side while the while the liquid is hot. The dry hops go in while the liquid is in the fermenter is cold, and the dry hops contribute mostly. Uh, aroma to the beer, whereas hops that go in on the hot side will contribute some aroma, but then also uh, some bitterness. So if you like dry hop beer, you're really responding to that that increase in hop aroma that comes from the dry hopping. Ah, all right. Well, listen, everybody should head out to Wisconsin IPA Fest. 41 brewers from across Wisconsin. Uh, if, as Andy said, there's going to be some other things there. It's mostly a celebration of IPAs. But head out on August 5th, 2 to 5 p.m. at Third Space. You can go to thirdspacebrewing.com to get your tickets, uh, general admission or VIP. It's going to be a wonderful time. So uh, head out there and support Support Wisconsin beer. That is terrific. Andy Gale and Kevin Wright, co-founders of Third Space Brewing. Thank you guys for being here. It was really a pleasure. hope we can do it again. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Take care, guys. All right, that is Wisconsin IPA IPA Fest. Say it slower. It is Saturday, August 5th from 2 to 5 p.m. at Third Space Brewing. So head on out there. Only 50 bucks for general admission, 85 for the VIP. And with that VIP, then, you also get a four-pack of the collaborative beer between Third Space and G5 Brewing with the uh, the experimental 17701 hop 
from Hopmeister. So if you want to drink beer that nobody else has, and that's when you uh, that's when you really can feel special. All right, we're going to do this, and uh, then there is more, of course, on WTMJ Nights. Don't go. The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Welcome back to Hour 2 of the program. My thanks again to the guys from Third Space. Don't forget the Wisconsin IPA Fest, August 5th at Third Space Brewing. Are you an IPA guy, Matt, or are you, uh, do you like a different style? I'm not so much of an IPA guy, uh, more of a different style of beer. I'm not as sophisticated on the beer front uh, like you are, but I appreciate a good one once in a while. Well, I'll be honest, I've had a lot more years of experience than you have uh, with beer. So I am not, I, overall, I am not a big IPA guy. Mostly, I think, because I started with West Coast IPAs and I don't like all the bitterness. Uh, a hazy IPA I can do, and like I, I, when I asked Kevin about the dry hopped, there's something about that that I like more so than the uh, the West Coast. So, but it'll be a, you know, and it's funny. Only over the last like decade have I paid any real attention to the different styles and what I like because, you know, uh, my first beers were my first beers were a couple old styles that I took from my dad's refrigerator. And then during college, it was whatever was cheapest, you know, whether that was Lone Star or Bush or, uh, you know, old style again. So whatever was the cheapest. And then for a long time, it was just Miller Lite, which was fine. Um, and then I started meeting people in the, in the brewing industry and I started trying different styles. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is fun. And then of course, everywhere you go, there's breweries and tap rooms and, you know, you, you can't go anywhere in the country in any town and not find a place that's brewing beer. So it's just, it's a, it's a fun little, uh, fun hobby, you know, cause also, you know, you, you get some of this good stuff and it's like, oh, one or two is plenty. That's, uh, that's good enough for me. So if you ever want to, if you ever want to take a crash course, Matt, I'll be happy to, uh, I'll be happy to tutor you. I'll be your beer mentor. <laughs> no, thank you. I'll take you up get... on that, actually. I need to get more educated in terms of my beer front. Because like you said, I'm at the point in my life where I just graduated from looking at the price tag. Right. And I'm still looking at the price tag. Oh, I still look at the price tag. But, but yeah, don't... <laughs> I, but I got to I gotta expand my palate a little bit. Well, my thinking was, uh, a while ago, I was like, well, I don't want to drink as much beer. So if I'm going to drink beer i'm gonna drink good beer and i'm listen uh, i may i say that and you you might go oh that's kind of snob i am not a beer snob uh, by any stretch of the imagination but uh i do it's funny the more you and it's like anything it's anything that you have a, a passion for you start to learn more about it and you learn what you like and what you don't like and why you like what you don't like and you know um and that's that so uh, two six two says IPA Fest is great fun. Been there every year. Here's how here's how non beer snobbery I am. I went to the baseball game the other night, and the reason I bring this up is not to say that I went to a baseball game. It's really the reason why. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Do you remember the first time you met your partner's parents, or? 
the first time you met your children's boyfriend or girlfriend. 855-616-1620. So Tuesday night we went to the the baseball game, went to see the Cubs-Sox. My team did not win, so that'll let you know who I... Who I root for, we've made no secret about it here. Uh, so the Sox lost, but uh, I decided I was. We had brought a couple beers to uh, to drink in the parking lot because you could tailgate at the uh, at Sox Park. It's a huge tailgate scene, which is terrific. And uh, we had some new Glarus in the uh, in the car, and then we went in, and I was like, I still talking about looking at the price tag, Matt. I still look at the price tag of a beer at a ball game, and I go, this is ridiculous. I. I, I can I, I usually allow myself like one beer at the game because I'm cheap. When I when I see it's anywhere between thirteen and seventeen dollars, depending on what kind of beer you want, um, and whether it's a draft or a can, I go. You know what? I I'll have one because in my mind I'm like I can take that seventeen bucks and tomorrow get a six pack or a twelve pack of really good stuff and uh, I'll be happy. But I ended up having an old style, which. If you're, you know, fully croissant in lacrosse, when I first, uh, when I was younger, I made the pilgrimage to lacrosse to stand outside the big six-pack at the uh, at the brewery and just stare in awe. So I've been an old-style guy for since way back. But we went to the ball game because we were meeting my daughter's boyfriend for the first time. Now I'm under some sort of gag order, I guess, to not give too many details. So I won't give too many details, other than to say that uh, she's been going out with him for a while, and a lot of people, a lot of her friends have met him, and his friends have met her, and uh, things seem to be moving along, I guess. I don't know how relationships go, but um, she wanted us to meet him. So that, I get that's a big step. Because you remember, any time that you, any time you've been dating someone long enough to want them to meet your parents, it's, you know, it's a pretty heavy thing. Are you? Um, have you gone through that yet, Matt, where you've had to introduce someone to your parents? Not of any significance. Um, okay. The only experience I've had with that is actually my brother's longtime girlfriend. Her family were family friends at this point, um, but it was still kind of that. Not No pressure on me whatsoever in this yeah, situation, because <laughs> if I did something odd or weird or dumb then it would won't do anything for the relationship for them but it's the closest in terms of meeting someone who's in your immediate family their significant others parents yeah it's uh i i remember meeting various uh people's parents over over the years and I remember meeting my wife's mom and grandparents and and I got thrown into it like the first time I met my wife's family was at a uh, it was at a, her grandparents' fiftieth anniversary party. So everybody in the family is there. Now we had been dating, I don't know, long enough, but not you know, it wasn't like we were engaged or anything. And that was the most nerve wracking experience because if you just have to meet the parents, you know, you only have to impress one or two people. You know, and if you make it through there, then the word will leak out into the family from the parents and, hey, this is an okay kid. He's, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. But if everybody's there, you only get one shot. Because if you screw it up, the whole family is going to remember it. 
And so that was tough. I, I've been trying to remember when I introduced my wife to my family. And I, for the life of me, I can't remember. I know I did because we've been married a long time and she knows everybody. So we must, I must have introduced her, but we couldn't. But the other night, it was, it was my turn to be on that side. And I have been known, and this may shock you, I have been known to say inappropriate things at times and not always be, uh, let's just say, the most polished guy when it comes to social interactions. And at a, I try to be polite, but I'm me, and I'm going to make a joke, and sometimes they you know, uh, might not be appreciated. So I was... Um, I had gotten orders to from my wife and daughter to just be on my best behavior, which I was going to be anyway. But they were like, "Just be on your best behavior. If traffic is horrible, don't let it uh, don't let it bother you." That don't means be- don't talk at all. Basically, Matt, you've you've <laughs> known me a while, so you yeah, okay, you're right. Don't don't talk at all. I- I've been was- in a similar situation where it's like an awkward situation. They just say, "Be nice. Don't do this. Don't do that." To me. That's just shut down the system. It's not worth it. Yeah, but if I do that, I'm going to come across as the jerk dad who's not happy with a guy who's dating his daughter, and I'm going to come off, so I have to I have to straddle that line, which is why we left really early and took a couple beers to tailgate, So, because so, traffic was bad. But then we, we, my wife and I sat in the parking lot for about 45 minutes listening to music and drinking a beer, and by the time they got there, I had forgotten that traffic was bad because um, I'd been enjoying myself for the last half hour. So I was to be on your best behavior. Don't make any jokes. Um, I knew, you know, I knew enough to ask good questions. That's a one one thing about having done this so long. I know how to ask people questions and to kind of interview without it seeming too formal. So um, I had saved. If this doesn't earn me points, Matt, tell me this. You're a young guy. So you come to meet your, say you were coming to meet uh, meet me for the first time. You were dating my daughter. You're coming to meet me for the first time. I know that you like beer from different things that my daughter has said and places you guys have gone. So I know you like beer. Now, I had brought a couple of beers. I had finished, I was almost done with one, and I was about to open the last one, and I thought, no, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to save this beer, and I'm going to offer it to the kid when he comes as a show of, you know, just being not a welcome. Here you go. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I saved the Now, I know I, I, know I didn't need more than one because my daughter doesn't like beer, which is why I have her DNA tested all the time to make sure she's actually mine. Um, but I saved that beer, and I gave it. I asked him, you know, oh, hi, nice to meet you. How are you? Would you like a beer? And, yes, he, he took the beer. He was very happy. He had the beer. Um, so that was that. And it, it, went, it went pretty well, but it was still, you know, I was at one point during the game, and, Matt, this may surprise you during a Cubs-Sox game, there were three fights in my section. Does not I, surprise me, especially at, down in the south side at well, U.S. Cellular Field. Uh, let me tell you who was involved in all three of these fights, Matt. It was your boys, your Cubby fans, that were involved in all these altercations. Uh, and one of them spilled a beer all down my right side uh, because it happened in the row behind me. Now, normally, I would have stood up and said something. 
but that's not my best behavior. So I had to sit there <laughs> fuming as beer <laughs> dripped down my side because I didn't want to make a bad impression uh, on the day that this uh, this kid meets me that I turn around and get a beef or a scrap uh, during, <laughs> during the baseball game. So I had to just sit there and stew in my own juice, which wasn't even my own juice. It was the juice of this Cubs fan in the row behind me. But again, I behaved myself. And I say all that to say, I'm sure he was very nervous too, you know, because I'm sure my daughter, you know, it, it, whatever, tells him about my wife and I. And um, so he's coming to meet me for the first time. And, you know, my wife is very nice and, and pretty quiet. And I am not. I am the exact opposite. And it almost seems like that's the dynamic with them, but to the opposite, because my daughter is more like me in that sense. And then he seemed very nice. And he's very smart. He's getting a Ph.D. in, uh, was it molecular chemistry? I tried to ask a couple questions about molecular chemistry. Don't really know much about uh, molecular chemistry. So I, I, you know, I did tell him that I remembered one thing from the periodic table. So what have been, has been your experience meeting the parents or being the parents that were met? 855-616-1620. we got a lot to get to. It's WTMJ Nights. Now more of WTMJ Nights. Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. We were talking about... Meeting the parents or being the parents that are being met, um, it's equally as nerve-wracking on both sides. Now, Matt, you had claimed that you didn't uh, you didn't ever have that experience, but in fact, you have. Yeah, I got to go all the way back in the vault for this one. It was when I was <laughs> in sixth grade, so that's two thousand. Not to date myself, but two thousand twelve or two thousand thirteen. I forget what time of the year this was. All right. What a player. Sixth grade, you got to meet people. At that point, you're at your probably first crush, second crush, somewhere around there. Otherwise, you know, then you're really in ridiculousness. And so (laughs) I had this crush on this one girl, and it lasted pretty much the entirety of sixth grade. So we get to the springtime, and you start to have bar mitzvahs, you know, Jewish coming of age ceremony, all the parties and all that. And... If the person who's being bar mitzvahed, if their family is close to your family, typically the whole family gets invited. Siblings, parents, grandparents, all that. So the fact that I had the crush on this girl was obvious. And to pretty much, not the entire sixth grade, but to my friend group, to her friend group, and it started (laughs) to leak out. So we're at this bar mitzvah party. I forget whose it was, but it was in uh, May, I believe. And you know how sixth graders are, especially with stuff like that. Sure. They're it's super school, it's middle puberty school. Puberty is happening. They're all like, ooh, super pushy, super you know, if one little thing happens, it makes the front page of the New York Times. <laughs> like they're all super enthused by it. Yes. And so this girl's parents was at this party. And I knew it. I knew that she was friends with the person who we were celebrating. And all my friends were pushing me like you should go meet her family go meet her family go meet her family. <laughs> just being annoying about it and 
I'm, no, I'm, nervous. I'm sorry to interrupt, but what do you what do your friends think is going to happen in sixth grade to go meet her family? That you are then going to square her away and uh, live happily ever after, or are they just be just being jerks? They were just being annoying. Honestly, they were just trying to get under my skin. They were trying to just be the most annoying that they could be. But to them, it was entertainment because at that point, it's a show. Yeah, they're like meet the parents. Talk to the family and see if the family likes it, you know? And then, so there wasn't much until I went up to her. I was talking with her. And then her parents come from behind me. Like, they must have been at the bar, at the buffet, getting some food. They come behind me, and I see her eyes get wider and wider and wider. And then I'm thinking, what's going on? She starts trying to wrap the conversation. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, I'm still clueless because they're still standing behind me. Right. I have no idea. The music's loud, so I can't even hear anything from behind me. And at the end of the day, it wasn't much, but because she wrapped the conversation, my friend came and we started now, talking. Did the, parents, did the parents step in and introduce themselves? They did later on in the night. Okay. And at that point, it was just, you know, hi, I'm so-and-so. Hi, I'm Matt. Nice to meet you. Oh, are you two friends? <laughs> and I'm like, I, well, I want to be. I if plead, you know what I'm I plead about. the fifth. I plead the fifth amendment. <laughs> At that point, I needed to gain some more ground oh, in terms geez. of all that. But talk about really going back in the vault. And yes, uh, it, well, man. at that age, at that age, you also don't want your parents around, and because you're not sure, like when you get a little older and you've been dating someone for a long time. That's a logical next step. In sixth grade, you're still like, I don't even know if she likes me. I don't even, uh. And then there's all that awkwardness of being 13 or 14 and being, and then all of a sudden their parents, oh, that, that would be awful. Awful, awful, awful. All right, we got to do this, and then it'll be news time. We're here, WTMJ. Now, now more of WTMJ Nights. Right, we were talking about meeting the parents. Did our uh, callers stick around, Matt? We still got them. All right, to, to introduce our caller. I've, we have Marty it. from Racine on WTMJ Nights. Hi, Marty. Hey, Brian. So did you meet I'm the parents or were the, you the parent? I met the parents of my late husband who passed away six years ago. Oh, sorry to hear about that. How did... How did the meeting go? Basically, mom and dad looked at me and gave me a death, death looks, and if I hurt their son, they were going to kill me. Oh, my God. All right. Was there any, uh, did they actually say that, or was that just a vibe that you got? That was a vibe I got. We were, we were married for almost 30 years. We had a great relationship, and I miss them dearly. Now, uh, and that's 30 years is a long time to be with somebody. Did the relationship with his parents cool or, uh, you know, warm up over time after that first meeting of the, where they came off a little, uh, sounds a little, uh, you know, harsh, maybe? It warmed up on the second meeting. They were, we went out to dinner and with his parents, my parents, the two of us, and we just had a great time together. That's great. Well, Marty, I'm sorry for your loss, but thanks for hanging on and telling us the story. 
Have a great night, Brian. You too. Take care, man. Thanks a lot. Uh, th- yeah, that's. I don't know if my mother-in-law ever really um, came around to liking me as much. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would like me if I was <laughs> if I was marrying your daughter. You'd probably go. I don't know this guy. What uh, what's his deal? But um, you know, we've been. 31 years, that's not too bad, so it didn't matter if anybody liked me. But sometimes, even though, even if you're in a great relationship, even if life seems uh, pretty good, sometimes things come up, right, and you, you wish you could talk to somebody. And maybe you think, well, I need a friend, or I, I maybe I need a therapist, that's what I need, I should probably, maybe I could talk to somebody. And it could be about anything. We've talked about this before, and I'm a big proponent of uh, finding somebody to talk to. But some of these uh, AI apps are now being used by some people as therapists would you ever use an ai app if you needed somebody to talk to 855-616-1620 can you imagine talking to a machine to get some sort of mental health help um i was reading this thing today and it was it was written by a 50 year old recently divorced uh, mom. She said she could use uh, some therapy. She could use a life coach. Uh, She decided she was going to chat with three different AI companions to try to find out what they would be. Uh, I, I can almost see what some people would find appealing about this because there are people who are worried about, you know, there's still, some people still have a uh, stigma about, well, I, I, you know, I can't go to therapy. I, who, what am I going to tell this person? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, maybe if I talk to a machine, that would be better. Eh, mm, I doubt it. Uh, therapy is expensive. Sure. I, I understand that too. So maybe we could go to like chat GPT and they'll do it for free. Uh, according to this chat GPT and some of the chatbots offer a scale, a scalable solution that's in many cases relatively low cost. They can be a little piece of the puzzle, according to a director of counseling at Hassan University and co-chair of the American Counseling Association's Artificial Intelligence Interest Network. Boy, that's got to be a brand new, a newly formed uh, committee, right? We were we weren't thinking about AI therapy uh, a year or so ago. So the apps claim your information is anonymous. But if anything you type might be, must, might be considered illegal or dangerous to yourself or others, it is no longer under your control because therapists are mandated reporters. But there's far more nuance, they said, in a relationship between two humans than there is between you and a robot. Yeah, if I tell a robot something, they can't, they're not going to intuit my mood or my inflection or any of this. They're just going to, you know, it's going to take what, I typed in and go, oh, man, okay, this is troublesome, and then report me. Uh, there aren't, uh, So there aren't too many legitimate and free AI out there that are billing themselves as a replacement to your therapy, but let me tell you what, what, she, what she found. So ChatGPT, we've all heard of that. Everybody's worried about ChatGPT. Um, she asked ChatGPT if it was a therapist, a life coach, a confidant, or my friend, and she said the version of the answer she got was like legalese, that um, if you tried to use ChatGPT for anything, 
other than just, you know, getting a recipe or something. She typed, act as a therapist and listen and validate my feelings. I am sad. Then the bot was more than willing to comply. It reminded me that it's normal to feel sad and then asked me to elaborate. It seemed skilled at solving low-stake emotional concerns, like trying to get her son to get a summer job before college, but uh, it would not be good for serious mental issues. I'm sorry, but if you are even considering using an AI chatbot for mental issues, please stop. Go to the there's all sorts of programs where you can get real, uh, real therapeutic help. You don't need, uh, you don't need to go to ChatGPT. Uh, then she used Bard, which is Google's AI. Uh, it gave her answer similar to what. Uh, how about the AI talk show host where the audience can influence it? No, thanks, Dave. I'm not. No, would you, <laughs> Matt? They're they're already calling for us to be replaced by AI. No, I don't. Th no, your job is your job would be safe because somebody's got to actually run the equipment. My job is the guy who just yammers on. That's the one that they think they can replace. There's no, too many Dave. variables within a show. Right. If they're going to talk about beer, then politics, then uh, you know, Chat GPT. Can't do all of that. Plus, do you want do you? If the audience is influencing it. You're just going to hear one. You're only going to hear what you exactly want to hear, which I know a lot of people, that's their, that's their thing. Just tell me what I want to hear. I don't want to hear anything else. Uh, but then, like, Dave's listening. But then the 414 is listening. The 262 is listening. A lot of people are listening. Uh, how? Think of the chaos. If every text meant the show would change based on the listener. Oh, what a nightmare. Dave, you're going to I'm not going to sleep tonight, Dave. Thanks. Because uh no, I can't think of that. But it came down to this. None of them none of them are really therapists. None of them can really help. I don't think that should surprise you. Should it? Um so PI, your personal AI, uh it's from Inflection AI. It's a startup, but you can message back and forth with them and have it respond in several different voices. This woman said she used a, a, a female-sounding soothing voice, which was very nice. It did respond um, to uh, a request for comment whether it could act as a therapist or not. That's just... See, I'm not, I'm not one of these guys who is saying we shouldn't move into the future. I like, I like things evolving. But that's too creepy. That's too sci-fi. Then you get guys like Dave programming programming a show just based on what he wants. Uh, I don't know. Matt, how far would you let AI into your life? Sometimes. If I need to do something with ChatGPT right. or uh, stuff like that. But I'm not a huge fan of AI. No, not at all? I just don't like how it's taking over a lot. And yes. mostly with ChatGPT, I'm going to be a hypocrite for a second, because even though I use it for certain things, there are people who are using it to write college essays. Yes. To write yeah, school that's papers. Yeah, to cheat. And what this really does is this takes away the out-of-class essay. Every single teacher, I'm sure you could talk about this, I'm not sure how much it impacts the first grade level, but from an elementary education perspective... You, it's hard to trust kids outside of class to authentically write an essay. Oh, they don't want to. No kid wants to write. 
it doesn't matter if it's uh, if it, it doesn't matter if it's first grade or senior in high school. Nobody wants to write. Yeah, it's, so, yeah it's tough. They're going to be able to do it. I don't know. That that's who just cre- creepy when people are going to give their minds over. All right, we're going to uh, we're going to do this, and then we are going to. Highlight the dumbest story of the week. This week in stupidity, next on WTMJ Nights. You're listening to WTMJ Nights. I am always amazed when I'm driving down the highway and I'm out in the country and I see crop dusters flying over the fields and the the pilots coming really low and they're they're spreading their whatever it is fertilizer or bug uh, con- pest control whatever they're doing whatever they're dusting their crops with i enjoy seeing it well this happened yesterday if you were in uh, northern indiana you probably didn't like this a crop a viral video uh was seen of a crop duster who was flying along and then zipped into the highway and almost hit two different semi trucks. This guy was uh, at four o'clock. A guy, this guy Clifton Howard, was driving on U.S. thirty in northern Indiana, just east of Wanata, when he noticed a crop dusting plane about one mile out. I think this was the radio transmission that was coming from the crop duster. Ghost Rider requesting a flyby. Negative Ghost Rider, the pattern is full. No, no, ma'am, this is not a good idea. Sorry, Goose, but it's time to buzz the tower. Yeah, time to buzz the tower. Well, he was buzzing the semis, and uh, things were not, <laughs> things did not go. He didn't hit, the, the pilot did not hit any of the semis. But uh, the guy in the car was like, well, afterwards I continued on my way. I didn't change my pants or anything like that. Uh, crop dusting planes generally fly low, as we all know, but, uh, the FAA does state that pilots flying them must operate with, quote, maximum safety to persons and property on the surface. I, I've never seen one not pull up before they got over the road. There was never, never, uh, one that, like, skimmed. I, it's, it's gotta be a crazy way to earn a living. And by crazy, I just mean unusual and dangerous and a little bit exciting all the time with this uh, when you're when you're dusting the crops. But that was it. All right. uh, Now, let's see. Let's go to. Well, you know what, Matt? Well, let's take this. Let's take this break. And then we will uh, we'll come back and we will highlight the dumbest story of the week and start wrapping things up here on WTMJ Nights. You're listening to WTMJ Nights. Yes, you are. We're glad you're here. I'm uh, only here till 8 o'clock tonight. And then, yes, then it is uh, Brewers Weekly with Don Catronio. So hang around for that. All right. Uh, every there's, there's stupid stories every day. And we usually highlight some of the stupid stories because there's nothing better than mocking stupid. But this has to be the dumbest story of the week by far. And we've looked at a lot of dumb things. Uh, this this comes out of the UK, comes out of Britain. So stupidity is not just a United States thing. It is all over the world. 
A man had served 17 years in prison for a rape that he did not commit. So an innocent guy. Finally, after him passing up, he ended up staying in jail for 10, uh, 10 years longer than uh, because he wouldn't. He was in jail for 17 years. He would have been able to get out in seven had he admitted that he did this crime. Well, he didn't want to admit that he did the crime because he didn't do the crime. Um, and he was like, listen, I don't want to, I don't want to admit to a crime I didn't commit. Then I got to get out of jail and now I'm a, a sex offender. I've got to go to group therapy. I've got to be with rapists, murderers, pedophiles, discussing things I did wrong that I didn't do wrong. Um, we've all heard of those kind of stories, those miscarriages of justice. Here's where the story gets really stupid. Uh, he is now going to have to pay thousands of pounds to the prison for room and lodging. So you were sent to prison wrongly. Uh, despite years of saying he didn't do it and there was another, there was, you know, somebody else there. And finally, uh, they found DNA or they had DNA that they had found on the victim that they had never looked at. Well, finally somebody looked at it. And it wasn't this guy. It wasn't uh, wasn't Andy Malkison who went to jail at forty for this uh, this crime. But can you imagine? They're like, yeah, listen, we took seventeen years of your life. Um, you're gonna get you're gonna get a payout, obviously. But we got to take a big chunk of that payout, and uh, that that's just gonna pay for your room and board while you were here. What? But that is that stupidity escalates. Because this is a law. The Criminal Appeals Act of 1995 says that money will be deducted from whatever compensation uh, somebody gets for receiving long, wrongful imprisonment. Can you imagine the adding the insult to injury and having to do that? So that is the stupidest story of the week. Um, and now, before we leave, we must talk about... The man, the myth, the legend, Snoop D-O-double-G. Uh, I don't know, Matt, are you a fan of Snoop Dogg? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, he's coming out with some ice cream. You know, he's had uh, cold brew, pet fashion cereal, cannabis products, of course. He's got wine. But now Snoop D-O-double-G is uh, rolling out seven flavors in his Dr. Bombay ice cream line. And he credits for his inspiration... The munchies. That's right. He says, I draw my inspiration from me as a person, and I like to share it with the world. Uh, you can get bonus track brownie, cocoa cream cookie dream, iced out orange cream, rolling in the dough, s'more vibes, syrupy waffle sundaes, and tropical sherbet swizzle. He said, I was buying two or three different kinds of ice cream, mixing them, uh, matching them, and I was like, maybe I should uh, make my own so I don't have to buy two different brands and get the flavor that I'm looking for. So listen, anytime you think that, uh, you know, imbibing in cannabis might just be a big waste of time, all you got to do is look to the LBC, Long Beach City, where Snoop D-O-double-G is now, uh, now he's moved into the, no word on if Martha Stewart has weighed in on this ice cream stuff. If that is, uh, if she's down with the ice cream. Um, but yeah, those flavors actually sound pretty good. Uh, they do sound like somebody high was mixing them up. 
So, nothing wrong with that, I guess. All right, listen, that is all for tonight. Uh, that's actually all for this week. We're not here tomorrow night. The Brewers are back in action tomorrow. So I will talk to you next week. Have a wonderful weekend. Try to stay cool. Matt, thanks for all your help. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the show. The news comes your way next. Then it's Brewers Weekly with Dom Catronio. Have a great one. Talk to you later. It's WTMJ. Your-